It's time for Talking Pictures Trivia! A quick friendly reminder, when making rice, it's one and a quarter cup of water to one cup of rice. Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia, the podcast in which a group of geographically challenged friends explore movies through trivia as an excuse to keep their friendships alive. I'm one of these friends and today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom and KJ. Great to have you back as always. Additionally, joining us as a guest for this episode is... Ben. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Ben hosts the three films and a podcast podcast, which also consists of geographically challenged co-hosts who explore three movies at a time. Ben works as a video producer in Salt Lake City, Utah. Ben conveniently likes movies. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with a movie quiz as these pivotal questions will determine who earns today's trivia crown. Then once the fierce competition is over, we follow it up with our famous movie rant where anything goes. KJ, tell us about today's movie. Today, we are going back to 1959 in India. Bajaj Auto obtains a license from the government of India to manufacture two and three wheelers in India. The Eighth Amendment is added to the constitution of India. And during all this, Satajit Rai releases his third movie in the Apu trilogy, World of Apu. Sawatajit Rai is also known for Panther Panchali and Aparajito. Other big movies in India in 1959 include Paper Flowers, Pogham, Flame Over India, and Isan Jag Uta. Tom, what is World of Apu all about? I, I picked this film, I'll just say why a little bit. It's uh, November 15th, 2020, the, the star of this film, uh, Sumatra Chachi, died of complications related to COVID. And he's one of the, the great Indian actors. He's been in over 200 films, but his most memorable are the, the 15 movies he made with uh, Satyajit Rai. And that's, that's why I picked this. I, I really wanted to kind of do something for uh, Chatterjee, who I think is one of the greatest film actors of all time. Um, and just now getting into the, the plot of the movie a little bit, this is the, the third piece in a trilogy our hero, Apu, uh, is leaving university. He's out of funds and he wants to become a writer. And, um, and so he goes off, he's trying to write. And then his friend takes him to a wedding one day, just, just to visit. And while he's there, the groom turns out to be mad and he can't marry um, his wife, so, or his wife-to-be. And so, the friend solicits Apu to marry Aparna. And Apu, never having met her before, agrees. They get married, and it turns out to be a, a beautiful marriage. They really love each other. And during childbirth, Aparna dies. And we see what happens to Apu, his, his despair following that tragedy. Nick, if you had one word to describe world of Apu, what would you use? Loss. KJ? Enthusiasm. Ben? Purpose. And mine is identity. It's time for question one. Mistaken for a poo, Mr. Rye, who lives in the same building, accidentally opens a letter for our hero. What does the letter say? Locked in. Locked in. KJ is thinking very hard. I am. I I can picture the scene because um, mm -hmm. the, the neighbor's upset that it's kind of a boring letter. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he but, does he want a love letter next? Something like that? Yeah, he says, oh. yeah, give me something interesting like a love letter. <laughs> um, which is great foreshadowing for the... Uh, <laughs> uh, locked in. All right, KJ, you locked in last, so you have to go first. What is it, my friend? I know this is wrong, but uh, he... It's a letter um, saying he uh, got a job offer. All right. <laughs> Very good. So that's wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> we'll go down to Nick. Nick, what do you got? Well, I guess mine's wrong because it was something about a job offer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Ben, please save us. What do you have? Um, I believe it's that his manuscript got accepted and they were going to print it. Is that Something along those lines. That's right. Yep. His uh, he had a short story that was accepted. Uh, Man of the soil, it was called. It has been. That's right. Accepted for publication. With this question, I, I started with this because I kind of it's at the beginning of the film, first of all, and I also want to kind of present my my reading of this movie, which is that um, that this is a, a movie about a person who thinks his life is like the story of becoming an artist, right? You think of like James Joyce's uh, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man, which is, you know, like a biography of an artist. Um, and that's how he's thinking of himself. And he's kind of making himself in that way. And that what ends up happening, though, is it ends up becoming the story of how like this, this guy, Apu, um, has to find this kind of new meaning for himself outside of his, his artistry. That he has to sort of give that up and then devote himself to to someone else or find a new meaning in his life. And this movie, The Arc of Development here, is through tragedy, him leaving kind of that, that art world or, or that pursuit, that understanding of himself open to um, a new identity. And he doesn't really have that at the end, but I think that is, is the development. And that's how I read this film. It's sort of like a um, the term is a uh, Kunstelroman. It's a, a German term meaning like the development of the artist. Um, and I, my reading is that it's a, it's a movie in which we see that element go away and it becomes like the development of um, this, this person in kind of a higher or a different way. And I was wondering what other people thought of, of his overall arc in this picture. Yeah, when you said he didn't develop, I, I was actually thinking he does develop just into a different role than he thought. He develops into a father where he yeah. never thought mm -hmm. that was even in his scope. I mean, in the beginning, we're seeing that he is trying to write a, a, this wonderful book and he's talking to his friend about how it's going to contain all these different elements and love. And the friend said, what are you talking about? You don't know anything about love. You've never even had a girlfriend. And here we find out later through the story that he actually does get to experience true love. And my word was true loss along the way. And then something that he had discarded or pushed off actually is the thing that I believe gives him purpose, which is his son at the end of this film. Yeah, uh, I mean, one thing I took away from that scene that kind of ties into his arc was is he didn't seem to really react to the letter at all. And I just kind of felt like, I don't know, you know, if it, you get something printed, you're excited about it, but I wonder if it just, because it wasn't his novel, because it wasn't the big thing, he just wasn't that excited about it. And that was like his main focus and what he was wanting to do. So I think that just made it so much more heartbreaking later on when he just kind of abandons it, you know, and just lets it go because of everything else that's gone on. So I agree though. I think his purpose 
just kind of like changed throughout this movie, you know, and, and he found what he felt it was by the end. He was also really cocky, right? Like yeah, he's in the really beginning arrogant. too. Like, yeah. Like yeah. Over the top. Yeah. He's still lovable, but yeah, he is, he's a young man, right? He has <laughs> that kind of, that kind of energy. Yeah. I, 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 I think I have something to say to almost everybody. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, so much to say. Yeah. Um, so I think he liked being a starving artist more than actually producing art. I think that's why he was so happy because that's where he wanted to be. That's why he wasn't excited about the letter because it was more fun to be in the one room apartment with the tattered uh, window shade, um, the train that was too close. Um, and it, in not in this movie, but in previous movies, he has a lot of tragedy in his life. So he's ripe to be the artist because of the previous mm -hmm. tragedies um i also don't think he's a father by the end right he's got his kid on his shoulders but everything we've seen of him i don't think that's going to go well <laughs> if there was a fourth movie it would be tragic in its own way and then tom you had said your reading of the film was that he he lost his his, his artist way um and i think did you pin that on when his wife died I, I, I would say like his, I, like he puts his identity into being an artist, right? Yep. So it's almost like, you know, like, I, I, you know, imagine if you're like, I don't know who I am. I have to figure out who I am. And you're like, I'm going to be a swimmer. So I'll be a swimmer. And then one day your legs are crushed or there's a bodily mishap. You don't have an identity anymore because you've placed it into that thing. And for him, it, it seems like he placed it into being an artist. And I think you're, you're right, KJ. He's more in love with the identity or the idea than the, the actual thing, even though we're, we're given to think he has talent, right? Like his, his friend, uh, Putu does say like, this is, this is beautiful, you know? Um, yeah. But he I, really likes it. And, and he was published. So. Yeah. yeah. We, so there's we, something there, but I mm -hmm. think what ends up happening is he's, he's like, you know, he's like this magnet looking for mm. the other side. Right. And so when he, he gets married, it's like, Oh, her, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in love with her now. And that's, I'm, she's my wife. I'm her husband. We have this great relationship, which is genuinely great, but it's also a kind of, this is my identity. And when that goes, you get to a point of like this, like existential dread where there is nothing to import your identity into. But I think he loses it before he gets married. I think he loses it the instant he asks Pulu if um, he, if the typing job is still available. It's the first time he admits defeat that I have to earn money yeah. sustainably another way. And, and that that's mm -hmm. tied right into the marriage, right? It's followed mm -hmm. uh, right by the marriage, but he doesn't know that he loves her yet at that point. Mm -hmm. So I think he's already given up on his art before he falls in love. Yeah. I, my reading of that is that he's kind of going from the sort of artist, I'm standing outside the system. Um, you know, he's when he's talking to Pulu uh, along the train tracks when they're kind of maybe Great drinking scene. a little bit awesome yeah and yeah and he's like um you know I i'm just not gonna get a job because i'm gonna write and blah 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 and and pulu's just sort of like you don't know anything <laughs> you know, you're like some you're like some rural you know idiot who's just kind of wandered in i introduced you to stuff you know and, and but when you get to the wedding then it's like oh i have to be part of society now i'm married i'm in that institution other requirements fall upon me for that reason but what's so great is that he actually falls in love with her. And so those requirements become um, become something he wants. He covets something he needs. 
once he gets over coveting the stereotype of being this, uh, you know, poor artist, I actually have a different read than KJ does at the end there. I do think he actually found purpose there. And I don't think that is going to be a bad event. I think that's where he's finally matured because the whole time he's a very immature person, even the way he handles his wife's death by ignoring his son and not trying to open himself up. He's very immature, this whole thing. I think that's the first time he took any kind of positive step in the direction of being a mature adult. And I, I, I took it as more of an optimistic. Keep in mind, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage here because I think everyone else on this show has seen the full trilogy, whereas I just focused on this specific movie. And in fact, from this movie, I want to go back and, and complete the trilogy because it did engage me enough to really understand uh, how we got to the beginning of this film. I think to that point, like referencing to the first movie, like with the ending of this one with World of Apu is that I think he just became the dad that maybe he wanted, which was just a friend, you know? So that's why he like reaches out that way. He's like, oh, I'm a friend, you know? And that's that's kind of what he was missing and was hoping for. So yeah, maybe not the traditional fatherly role. I, I mean, I'd be curious, you know, to see where their life led them after that. But I, I, that's how I interpreted the ending was just, he, he was putting forth to his child what he would have wanted, I guess, in a father. I was just going to say, we do live in an age where uh, studios are going way back and reproducing sequels after the time. So who knows? Uh, maybe we'll get a fourth one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> the quadrilogy. Yeah. Oh, that would be miserable. Who uh, got Ben Affleck as Apu? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. Hayden Christensen. How about that? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I I like that that reading, but like, you know, like I think he's like on his way at the end, right? He's on his way to something. Um, yeah, but that that's an interesting like this idea of fatherhood isn't really defined even there, which makes sense because like he's kind of not a dad. I mean, he's biologically a dad, but he's not um, he's not living that that role that identity. It's time for question two. What is Apu's former classmate and friend Pulu's job? Locked in. Locked in? Very confident. I'm not so confident I will lock in. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Ben. You locked in last, so you have to go first. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a stab in the dark here. It's an editor of some sort at a paper. He looked intelligent. So I'm going to say he was a man of science. Something in the science field. Maybe pharmaceutical, something science-related. Mm. Yeah, general pharmaceutical from Nick. And KJ, what do you have? Uh, I thought it was an engineer. I thought he was going to study abroad. Um, I think they used the word engineer. Um, okay, but yep, that's right. That's what he says. He says, you know, I am an engineer. All right. And I, for me, I, I kind of, um, I read Pulu as, uh, you know, as kind of society, right? The, this sort of, the, we kind of talked a little bit about this, but if you think of like, the, the artist life and the ethical life, that sort of that existential divide. I feel like Pulu is that that kind of, um, that sort of ethical consideration. And he's he's part of society, right? He's like the rational guy, he's an engineer. Um, you know, so I think that that job title, or it's not a title, that, that position is very important. And the fact that he acts as an intermediate, an intermediary for Apu and whomever Apu has to like return to in order to kind of resolve his, his 
ethical obligations, I, I think is really interesting. And I think it's connected to the fact that he's an engineer, even if engineer is kind of more general, as you're saying, KJ. So just wondering what people thought of that. Uh, I mean, yeah, I just really felt like he was, like you, you mentioned it, but just kind of the the tie for Opu in this whole movie, you know, without him, obviously like none of this happens, you know, but like <laughs> going to the wedding and then he's like the first person that he calls to when he makes that decision, you know, he's like, okay, can you give me that job? Like, I'll do this, like, let's move forward. And then when he's been absent from, um, I forget his son's name, but when he's been gone for five years, you know, and like you said, it's, it's Pulu that comes back and just kind of like helps him, I guess, rethink about where he's at in his life and what he wants and what he can be. So he is just kind of like the common sense, I guess, throughout the movie. And yeah, I just thought it was like, I don't know, kind of almost heartbreaking, you know, at the end there when he calls for him and we get that, that reverb, that echo call back. It's like, oh yeah, he's like alone. <laughs> Pulu's yes. gone now. I mm -hmm. didn't know where it was going to go, to be honest. It's like, man, this is, he's it. Like, that's it. Like he's gone. So um, yeah, I really connected to him. He kind of felt like the audience's viewpoint throughout the movie, I think. Yeah. He's also a little bit of his conscience too, because the main character has a very odd way or a very different way of looking at life and his role in it. Whereas his friend is the voice of reason. He's the learned man who went down the normal path that society brings you. And even when it comes down to the discussion about like, he literally sat down and was like, dude, he's your son. Like get it together. See your son, you know, take care <laughs> of your son. And that's what he needed after five years, five years. And I understand he was mourning his wife, but at the same time, he's doing an extreme disservice to his abandoned son. So he may still have been drifting and working jobs and sending money in if his friend didn't come and give him this hard talk. Yeah, it's interesting that, like you guys are saying, he's the straight guy, yet he suggested the most adventurous, romantic notion in the whole film to Apu, right? Which is which is the, the marriage. Did he? Right? It's a very... Keep going, but I, I, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna push against that a little bit. No, no, push, push. So I was, I was. I, it's interesting. You phrase it as that's the romantic thing. Apu on his wedding night says, "I did this because it was like it seemed like this great romantic gesture." Um, but I think for for Pulu and and the family, his um, his aunt's family, right? Uh, it's like you have to get married by according to these kind of conventional practices that you know it's it's a traditionalist society right that uphold the society is this tradition and the practices that enforce this tradition you have to get married um at a certain time in a certain way and so apu's role while he sees it as romantic is actually kind of societally responsible right it's traditional it's upholding or partaking in society to clarify just a little bit it wasn't so much the romantic. He said he thought it was a noble thing. So this is the first time in his life he felt he was doing the righteous thing versus just being this but, cocky. Yeah, but it also seems right. it's, but it's, like it's noble in like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm noble now. You know, like it, yes. it's a performance. He doesn't know what yeah. he's doing. He's yeah. Like, and then he's like, oh, wait, I actually have, actually have to go through with this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm poor. I'm you don't want me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is all why it's so romantic, right? He's the pauper that it becomes romantic. Yes. Right. It dead. becomes yeah. really romantic, which is getting the job, paying for the thing, doing the right thing. You know, mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. the real romance, yep. something that can be sustained. Right, right, right. And Pulu was the domino that mm -hmm. started that. The yep. straight yeah, guy. exactly. Well, he pushes the him the whole time, like pushes the, the his development this whole time, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's the common link. 
All right. At the end of round one, we have a tie between KJ and Ben with one point apiece. And Nick is trailing behind with a with a big wagon wheel right there. We will see you in a second after this break. What a fine day. Well, when you're living in a 600-foot, 10th-floor walk-up in A's story of Queens, every day is a fine day. But let me tell you, fella, there'd be a lot of rascals just looking to raid a swell place like this. That's why I got myself some mighty fierce protection. A god grizzly bear. Just call up the boys down at Guard Grizzly, and they'll send you a six-and-a-half-foot-tall, 700-pound rage beast trained to eat human flesh. My apartment has never been safer. Guard Grizzly. It's just a god bear. And we're back. Ben, we're at the critical point of our episode where we asked the guest a question. If you could watch this movie with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be? Uh, the person that I would want to watch this with is someone that I, I associate with this movie the most, and I think who I heard about it first from, and that would be Martin Scorsese. Uh, I think it feels like a pretty easy answer for any movie, you know, <laughs> to sit next to him. And like, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I don't like talking or anything during a movie, but I would just like watch him the whole time. Like, cool, just tell me everything that you're thinking right now. This is great. But uh, just like reading some of the stuff that he's written and he said about it, that this was one of the first movies for him that he saw that was made by, you know, the Indian people for the Indian people, like where they were in the foreground, not the background. And then this is what kind of inspired him to learn more about the world and world cinema. I just think if, if this movie had that effect on someone of that caliber, I would just love to like pick his brain as much as I could to talk to him about this and, you know, just the, the trilogy as a whole, if, if time permitted, obviously. So yeah, that'd be my pick is uh, Martin Scorsese. I feel like you could get a lot out of his facial expressions during the movie, as well as the eyes. Just watch the eyebrows, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that would portray a lot of exactly. His feelings. Yeah. Scorsese was at eighteen or nineteen years old at the first um, American screening of all three films at the same time. Um, when, yeah, when he was there, and he, uh, I have, I actually wrote down uh, his speech. He gave like a little, a little speech in nineteen ninety. 1990 or 91 in honor of, of Rai mm. who, who died that year. Um, talking about that. Um, I was going to read that at the end, but you know what? <laughs> we got the idea, but yeah, the way like Rai has influenced a lot of people in the West by trying to be, um, by trying to create like an Indian mm -hmm. tradition, which at the same time is borrowing from people like Vittorio De Sica and Roberto Rossellini. It's, it's interesting. He's like, trying to be the the anti bollywood for lack of a yeah. better term director rai is but at the same time like his his mentor was renoir so you know because they, they met in the early 50s so it's really cool the kind of overlapping of influences yeah i think it all just like kind of comes together there and it's just interesting to see what he chose to to take from the people that influenced him and then how that's been like you said just kind of like pushed on to other people now and how he's influenced cinema so yeah yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Ben, what uh, Scorsese film uh, do you see some of the uh, Apu trilogy in? I, I don't know. There's so much. I guess my the simple brained answer for me, because we see so much change over someone 
is Goodfellas, like who we start out with and who we end up with. There's a lot of like transformation in the the main character. Um, so, you know, that's a very simple answer and probably not the right one, but that's like the first thing I can think of is just showing that they're both great examples of character development. I feel like those two movies, like who, who we meet at the beginning and who we end up with. That's a great answer. In, in, the, in the Apu movies, everybody is kind. Everybody, mm. they, not a single person does anything mean. All the tragedy is external stuff. Whereas in Goodfellas, it's the other side of the coin. Yes. Everybody's terrible, <laughs> yeah, right? All... So that's a great comparison, uh, Goodfellas, to, to the Apu trilogy. I can tell you a movie that was definitely not made by the Indians for the Indians. Indiana Jones and the <laughs> Temple of Doom. Not a very good portrayal. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. A bunch of uh, savages. Not the best one. I much more prefer what the Apu trilogy is accomplishing. And it's you, you should read, there's a 1947 article that Rye wrote about, I think it's called, um, Why is Indian, Why Are Indian Movies So Bad? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and he's basically saying they're just imitating Hollywood. And they're not, they're not in America. They don't have American culture to make that make sense. Mm -hmm. um, and so you end up getting these kind of like Hollywood ripoffs. And, it, you know, like a lot of Rye is like, we're going to make, you know, not only an Indian movie, but a Bengali movie, yes. because that's my culture. And that's what I know. And I think that really feeds into what you're talking about, Ben, about Scorsese, um, because Scorsese's like, especially his early years, is like, I'm making movies about Italian Americans in New York. Yeah. Right. That's that's where he, you know, um, that's where he he started. And he, he obviously went beyond that, you know, um, even early on, he went beyond that. But if you look at, you know, like Goodfellas is a good example of that kind of cultural influence that he knew because he grew up in that and rye kind of grew up in that bengali tradition that he brought to screen like 32 times i think that's yeah that's great i mean it just it, it takes me back to like my screenwriting class where it's just the first point of like advice is just write what you know and i think both these guys did that and they they showed that in their early stuff so yeah i think it's they work very well together it's time for question three what does Apu tell Aparna when she asks if it's her fault that he hasn't managed to work on his novel? Locked in. Locked in. I think locked in. So, Ben, you're up first. What do you got? I don't know that I'm getting the wording of it correctly, but I think it's something along of the lines of, like, it's to your credit. Mm -hmm. I think she asks, like, am I to blame? He's like, no, it's to your credit that I haven't been able to work on it. Something along those lines, I don't know exactly the wording, but he pretty much says, no, it's not a problem. It's a good thing. Yeah, very similar. Um, he says something along the lines, she is the reason he can work on the novel. You know, she is now the muse, the the reason he's an artist. I'm going to give points to everyone because he just says, no, it's to your credit. Um, I, I kind of disagree with your interpretation, KJ, but generally we're kind of on the same page. So points to everyone. All right. So we kind of covered a little bit of this. Uh, we covered a lot, actually, that I was, I was interested in, in talking about. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the, the romance and, and how that, that flourished and how that kind of changes a poo, you know, maybe just what people liked about, um, about that relationship. Aparna was great. Everything mm -hmm. about her interactions with him, how she handled going from servants to this high floor apartment that has very sparse luxuries if any at all and the way she would subtly challenge him but it was the right 
she she plucked the right note, you know, for her husband. So that whole interaction, and I was generally very sad when she did not make it through childbirth. So I, I would say she was one of my favorite parts of this film. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I liked um, so much. This could just be my interpretation. I don't know if it's correct or not. I feel like the tone would be different today, but it felt like she challenged him by almost being sarcastic. You know, it's just like, oh, you probably hate it here. She's like, oh, yeah, it'd be great if I didn't have to do this stuff. You know, it's like in the tone back then, it's very kind of a flat delivery. And like, I feel like she's just like kind of messing with him right now. And I think that's great. You know, <laughs> she's like, yeah, it would be great if I was with someone who was rich. But then to follow that up immediately by coming and sitting by his side and like resting her chin on his shoulder and just like reassuring him and just like, I don't know, I guess trying to help him get rid of his self-doubt. Like she's there. She's happy. She's there don't don't like fester on this any longer there was there was one scene or a, a combination of scenes that i really liked and i don't remember the order but one of them standing in the doorway and maybe aparna is outside and and she she says to apu i'm like move out of the way i'm coming into the apartment and then later on it's it's the other way around either apu's trying to leave the apartment and and the way they do it and the way they said it is almost the exact same and i, I think that really uh it, it showed their that they were both in love, that they were both equal, that they were they were both really happy with what was going on. And I think, so uh, the other thing that really stuck out to me about their relationship, um, th- one of the scenes that stuck out to me the most was fanning each other while they're eating, you yeah. know, kind of showing yeah. like, the equality between them because especially for the first two movies and the beginning of this, we just see like how they determine the gender roles for the woman you know like you will take care of him while he eats and you can eat whatever's left but to have that scene where we just see that now he's fanning her or or the food whatever while she eats like that's i like that i like seeing that they see each other as equals in this situation there was another scene i really enjoyed too when he's talking about do you lament what you could have had versus what you have now. And he's talking about hiring a servant, needing to take on more students to tutor. And she pretty much says, you should stop seeing all these uh, extra um, students because then you'll be home earlier and I'll have a poor husband, but nothing to lament. So that was a really nice, she did not care about that. She cared that she wanted more time with him, which was a very sweet moment. Yeah, it, it's because when she first gets in, she kind of looks out the window and we see this little uh, tear in the curtain when she's looking out at the, the train and it's noisy and dirty and she's crying. You know, she's I think she's 15 at this point. Um, it's interesting. Uh, uh, Tagore, the, the actress who played her, was in, in an interview and talking about how her grandmother was married at seven or nine and had her first kid at 12. <laughs> so this wow. is, you know, like a tradition this this actress even knows well. Um, and, and she's there and she's, you know, crying, but she like gets over it and kind of chooses him like that, that kind of, I guess it's a kind of a montage, you know, with their, them fanning each other and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like you, you were saying KJ moving in and out of the apartment and, and all that, like, it's a montage in which they sort of, that's when they choose one another, right? It's not really the wedding. It's in this collection of scenes and it is really, really balanced. And she's just such a lovely actress. This is her first performance and she's she's still alive and she's made movies for for years. Um, they also play husband and wife, these two actors in Rise Next film, um, Gevi, I think it's called. Oh, interesting. So yeah, so cool. see that. It's, a, it's not as good as this, but it's a really good movie all the same. One other item I really enjoyed about the parallel between where each of them came from and what they were used to 
when he when Apu originally goes to the wedding with his friend, it almost sounds like, oh, you'd love this place. It's quaint. It's a village. We got to take a boat down there. And meanwhile, these city so-called city slickers are, are, are looked up to for being in the city. Meanwhile, you go down to the village. This family is wealthy in their community. They have servants. They have a good lifestyle. And all of a sudden, the so-called city slicker, as I said, he's living in a dive. So it's interesting to see that whole paradigm shift where we think the person that would be in the big city would be doing really well. And it was really the reverse. Yeah. He's like, he's, I mean, you haven't seen the other two movies, but he's a kind of a, but you know, it from, from the dialogue, he's a country bumpkin, right? He's playing this kind of role, even, even when they come to get him right for the wedding, when Pulu and the, the elder members of the family come to get him, he's like asleep under the tree with a flute. <laughs> you know, he's like, you know, it's just this, you could almost imagine him picturing how he looks to other people before taking that nap. Um, and then when you get into like the, the, you know, the city, it's, it's, it's a put on, right? It's, it's not like, it's not authentic in whatever you want to think of what that word authentic means. And he seems more kind of more real to me because of Aparna. Aparna seems to kind of orient him in a way that is, I, you know, um, more admirable. It makes him more admirable. This is completely off topic, but for some reason, every time he was like walking around with that flute, I couldn't put my finger on it, but like, it was almost like a mythical reference or creature, just this guy going around playing a, a flute through life. I, I, I think there is an actual reference, but. Yeah, they bring it up in the movie, actually. Um, I think mm -hmm. uh, Pulu's aunt calls him Krishna, and I think Krishna's mm -hmm. fairly mm -hmm. famous for having a flute pretty often. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, and he's reciting he's reciting poetry. He's, <laughs> he's like the guy on the quad with the guitar, <laughs> like that, in, that insufferable son of a bitch who's like always playing. Guitar Wait a minute, Ben, quad. were you that guy in the quad with the guitar? <laughs> I'm not in the fifth here. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're in a band. <laughs> yeah, he's got the guitar at the party. Like, okay, well, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> it's time for question four. What does Apu tell his son, Kajel, uh, he is at the end of the film, just before they leave for Calcutta? Locked in. Locked in. There's a lot on the line here, Tom. Mm. Yeah, you, <laughs> you could come I'm in pretty third sure with more points. No, I'm pretty sure Ben <laughs> knows the answer on this one. No, Tom, I'm tied for first. This is like the first time oh, in, right. oh, in like a year. Yeah. That... yeah, oh, yeah. It's Nick who's, oh, okay. Yeah, Nick's no, the, the trailer, I, I, trailer. I'm pretty sure Ben, I'm pretty sure Ben's got it, but I think, mm. I know I have it too, so. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Like KJ loses so frequently, <laughs> I just assume <laughs> he's losing. <laughs> <that>. Yeah. <laughs> there are episodes somehow where KJ gets negative points. Yeah. Uh, I'm not <laughs> quite sure. We, we've made some changes to the format, but. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, locked in? I believe in you, KJ. I believe in you. All right, what do you got? All right, so at the end of the film, um, Kajal... Here we go. <laughs> you know, Kajal, Kajal's, um, he's been through a lot, maybe more than Apu, um, specifically when Apu was five. Um, and he, he grew up without parents, which is pretty tough. Um, so he asks Apu as they're leaving, um, will you take me to my father? Because, you know, the fatherhood isn't something that just 
you know, happens as soon as Apu goes home or wherever, you know, to his wife's place. Um, and, and I don't remember what Apu's response is. Um, maybe he says he's his friend. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Nick, you locked in second. It's friend. Well done. And ben. <laughs> ben, what do you got? I'm your with a long pause friend. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It points to everyone. Uh oh, is... bonus time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't have some bonus questions. Okay. Uh, so we'll be, <laughs> we'll be ready for this, but I, I loved how, how this ended um, because he's not, he's not like a father yet. Right. Like a poo. That's like a, that's, a, you know, an identity and a role you take on. And he hasn't done that other than, you know, he, contributed in a physical way um and i was wondering what people you know thought of that ending thought how it wrapped up what what opinions were of that i thought it was great i think um to kind of echo what you're saying i think he just hadn't even earned that title yet you know and especially with his son because it's the first time he's seeing him in five years and the person you expect your dad to be he talks earlier about like oh my dad's in calcutta and he'll beat you up so Maybe he just wasn't as strong as he was hoping his dad was going to be. So he's like, well, you're not my dad because you can't beat anybody up. But um, yeah, I just kind of took from that that he just hadn't really earned that relationship yet. And so he knew that, you know, he can start out with like, I'm your friend and we can we can build towards it. And like I mentioned earlier, I think maybe that's also what he wanted as a kid. And so that's what he's giving to his kid. It's just like I, I needed my dad wasn't there that often. I, I would have loved a friend being there, even though my dad was just my friend. So that's kind of how I took the ending. Um, but I like to think that, you know, he, he earned that, that title with his son by the end. We talked about this a little bit earlier, so I don't want to reiterate too much, but I feel this is the first mature decision Apu has really made in his life. Everything else is building up to this point. And I like how Ben is saying the reason why he said friend and not father, that makes a lot of sense. The title has not been earned yet. Just because you you kind of said, hey, I'm an adult and I'm going to make the right decision for once in my life. We're not quite there yet. And as the audience, I'm hoping that he is successful in his venture to be uh, to earn the role of father. Yeah. And I think it's, I think part of the, the, I think what you're saying, like, it's a, it's a decision he's, you know, it's like the first adult decision. And I think for, you know, five years, he's made no decision. I think that's sort of the, the hell that he's been in, right? It's that he's not, um, he's like, you know, offended at the whole of existence. And so um, instead of doing something or seeking something, he's just going to wander around, right? Um, and he prefers just to be, the kind of hell of himself than actually have to get out of that hell, <laughs> you know? And so if you're going to, if you're going to get out of hell, you have to have like a, a goal and a task and, and responsibility and go to it. And he's just, he prefers, he kind of prefers hell. He prefers his torment, right? He's, he's become kind of used to, um, he's become used to kind of that, that terrible freedom that he has, which he does have, you know, he sends money three times. Other than that, he really can do whatever he wants. Um, and I, I think he prefers that to the the act of moving in a direction um, towards towards an identity, towards something that he can be that that sort of transcends this this nonsense that he's he's living in. Um, 
just because he's he's so hurt by the the circumstances of the world. He's in such despair. And you know, I think at the end he hasn't he hasn't gotten there yet, but there's this idea of I'm going to take you to your father is sort of he's he's also kind of almost speaking that to himself. He he's going to take himself to that that role in the world. Yeah, I love that reading that honestly that didn't I mean necessarily hit me until you just said that, but it's, I think they're they're both like you said on their way to to find the father. So that's that's great. I hadn't really processed that at the time. It's time for a bonus question. Where does Apu find a note from Arpana? Locked in. Locked in. Locked in. All right, Nick, what do you have? I just remember he was at work and it was near his typewriter. But that's all I got. Okay. AJ, what do you have? Uh, In his cigarettes. All right, Ben, what do you have? Yep, in his cigarettes. All right, very good. Points for everyone. Not me. Nope, not for Nick. Sorry. Points, <laughs> points for almost <laughs> everyone. <laughs> points, points for the people who count. For, um, yeah, the ones who are tied for the win. It's time for a bonus question. What is Apu's job and how much does he make? Locked in. Locked in. Uh, I'll I'll lock in. All right, Nick, what do you have? Okay, to be fair, he had a few jobs and they all paid differently. Mm -hmm. So he was a tutor making 15 rupees. Okay, Ben, what do you have? Uh, It's probably not the right job, but like a transcriber, typist, whatever, making 35 rupees a month. KJ, what do you have? Yeah, he's he's not a strike breaker. No. <laughs> right. He mentions that to Pulu. He said, I, I almost got a job being with a train. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he's not a teacher because his degree is too high. He's not a labeler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy's like, no, you have too much spirit. Go look in that room. And then, <laughs> um, he was a tutor. I don't remember how much he was making there, but um, while he's married, uh, he is a a typer, a transcriber, like Ben described. And I was going back and forth between 35 and 45. So I think this is going to decide the, the episode. 45 rupees a month. Ladies and gentlemen, KJ is the winner. It was 45. Oh, yes. That's this is, awesome. Yeah. When's the last time you won, KJ? Definitely in 2020. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. It was the engineer. There was an engineer in the movie. The engineer That's question. A, that inspired you. <laughs> Congratulations, oh. KJ. I don't remember hey. the last time I said that. Thanks. Glad I was here for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for Movie Rand. I, I want to start. So the reason why I brought this this movie, we, we talked a lot about the themes and about Rai and, and uh, his direction. Um, but this is something... Um, that a, a critic I know wrote about uh, Chatterjee when when he died. And I just want to read this extended quote and then talk maybe a little bit about the performances. Um, and this is from Steve Weinberg, who's a critic over at the website Critics at Large, a really great site, so people should check it out. And this is what he wrote, uh, extended quote here. The critic Pauline Kael once referred to uh, Chatterjee as Rai's one-man stock company, and no phrase could be more apt, since he had such an astonishing range that it hardly seemed plausible that one actor could have so many profoundly different characters in his repertoire. 
He wasn't a physical chameleon. Olivier prided himself on changing his look so radically from one movie to another, a new face for Richard III, a new looping gait for Othello, that he was all but unrecognizable each time he stepped into a part. With Chatterjee, the alterations are entirely in the character, in the psychological profile, the emotional makeup, the way he is in the world. He's buried so deep in each of the men he played that the spirit that looks out at the camera through his handsome, elegant movie star face, the intelligence, the vision, the doubts and the sorrows, seems to belong entirely to the character and never to the actor who has taken it on. You never say about a moment in Chatterjee's performance that it is reminiscent of the way he played another revelation, another romantic scene, another portrayal. And I was wondering what people thought about um, about the performance. I also love that quote, and <laughs> so I wanted to share it. But um, you know, what did he, I, I think he's like a phenomenal actor, and and uh, and so is the the woman who played um, Aparna. But I was wondering what you guys thought of the performances. Uh, I mean, I, I thought he was wonderful. I think he had the interesting challenge of carrying over a character from two previous movies and making us believe it's the same person. And I think he did a great job of that. Like, I just felt like, yes, this is Apu at this stage in his life. Like, I, I can recognize the personality traits, the characteristics, that kind of thing. So I, I think he was he was wonderful. I mean, as far as you know, the physical transformation, we get the the movie trope of he grew a beard to show that time had passed, you know, that kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we see that, but there is so much in him, um, like just his, his inner voice almost that just like you can, you, you can see his personality and his emotion without any, without hearing anything, basically. I think he was wonderful. And that's a five-year beard if I've ever seen one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was great. I, I love the scene of him and Pulu walking down the, the tracks, mm -hmm. right? He did that there's not much going on in that scene, but the way he carries himself and tells his story, you can feel the energy and the life that he has. And then in contrast, when towards the end of the film, he's getting water from a stream and Pulu shows up and he's got this moment that's that's very Doc Brown, like when the Libyans show up, like the 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 shock and the awe of, oh, oh, oh boy, here, here comes responsibility. Like, <laughs> great Scots, <laughs> yeah, here it comes. Um, it, it's almost that energy coming back in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and I, 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 he was really fun to watch. He was great. The way I know he did an excellent job was it's so easy to be turned off by a cocky character, someone who's full of themselves, but he somehow find, found a way to balance it and still be endearing at some point. But it's so easy for me to just be like, write someone off who's playing that kind of role. So that's why I think he really stood out in my mind was that he was able to walk that line and it, did you say this was a parna's first acting job or the mm -hmm. actress who, yeah yeah I mean, um uh, i mean that blows my mind and she was she was yeah. so good in this and i mean obviously beautiful and like some of the shots that we got of her mm -hmm. the close-ups i mean just like stunning but she kept her own you know with with apu and i think that just speaks to how great she was i can't believe this was her first role Aparna was my favorite character in this whole film. Mm -hmm. And I even like when she's sending him those notes, she threatens him in a joking manner. If you do these things or you don't do these things, you'll never ever see me again. And it was comical. It was comical. He would smile and it, it was really nice. Everything she did, I, I thought that actress did a tremendous job and really was my favorite character in this film. 
Yeah, she she's greatly spirit. I I do like Nick. I keep um, mentioning the kind of um, the sort of devilish flirtation, the the way she kind of um, pokes fun. That's her her you know her her means of communicating. Um, but yeah, it, it's and it's it's really great because you could see her in other uh, other Rye films as she's developing and listening to her. This if anybody has um, Criterion Channel, the the streaming service. Um, which uh, just just pay us criterion we'll just <laughs> we'll just plug your thing all, all day long um th there's a great interview from 2015 of um of Chatterjee and and Tangor talking about I keep saying her name wrong Tagore talking about the, the process and apparently she was uh, like and this is his first role too actually this is also his first performance and uh, oh. It would be like she would come in and and Rai would be like, okay, look down, look up, look over there. And they had so little money that almost everything is a single take. <laughs> they rarely had time to, you know, to do a, a, a second take. And so um, it, it's interesting because like a lot of her performance is really structured by him. And then later on, he just stops doing that because she, you know, she's not 15, year, 15 years old anymore. And it just has, has developed a lot. Um, but yeah, that's that's another. That's also this is his first performance as well. It's both of them. Um, and yeah, that's that's amazing too. Because like I honestly wouldn't have even thought to ask that. Like, well, obviously he's acted before. It's great that she was able to pull it off. But like the fact this is both of them on, for their first time, man, it's, that was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I I can't. I've just been watching a lot of movies with him in it over the last week, getting ready for it. And yeah, he is great and everything. And he's. He doesn't do the like like in the quote where I brought the the quote to this episode. Like he doesn't do the the sort of Christian Bale, <laughs> you know, um, transformation, which I always think is like a little hokey, right? Like watching Christian Bale lose weight is is impressive, but it's not really acting, is it? Mm -hmm. um, uh, he doesn't do that, but he does like in in each performance that that I've seen so far, it's like really different and it's really interesting. Um, he's never, I haven't seen him again play like the rosy cheeked kind of cocky artist. Like that's just not there in his other performances. And it's really, really cool. So I'd, I'd like recommend checking out some of his, his other roles as well. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the only thing I wanted to to mention was speaking of first timers, like the, the fact that the first movie was so many people's first time with Ravi Shankar doing the music yes. and obviously the director. But mm. I kind of wanted to hit, especially on this movie with the cinematography, you could just see how much progression was made over those three movies. I know we're focused on World of Apu, but everything was so smooth and composed so well. I mean, there are some amazing shots in the other movies as well, but just uh, that's something that really stuck out to me. It's like, man, you can really see what where they've learned, like what they've, um, yeah, what, they, what they've taken in from their past experiences and were able to bring into this movie. The cinematography, I just think is, is spectacular in the World of Apu. Yeah, I think this is that, oh, I can't remember his name, but it's like his fourth or fifth. I think he, his first movie was uh, Panther Panjali. So I think he's yeah. only like four years into cinematography. Yeah, I think they did like, I, I read one movie in between um, 
uh, Padojito in, in, in this film. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's like their fourth film together and just like some of the things they were able to pull off, even just the simple things like a dolly shot was so much more smooth in this movie. Whereas, you know, the first ones you can, you can really see what's happening. Like they, it's, <laughs> it's, it takes a lot to do that, you know, but this one was so much more smooth. And it's just even those technical aspects of it. I just, uh, it, I really appreciated it as someone, you know, who shoots on a daily basis, like, man, they have really grown. And I think it just, it just makes the movie that much more spectacular to me. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, I'm the only one on the show right now who hasn't seen the full trilogy. And I do plan on going back now and watching all of them. And I, I definitely will keep a keen eye for that element of Ben when I'm watching it. Yeah. I feel bad. I keep, I feel like I keep referencing the whole trilogy, but I just, uh, yeah, I, I think you'll be able to obviously pick up on that. Just how much everyone has, has, um, just gotten so much better, I guess, over time by the by the time this third movie comes around. Yeah, it is it is definitely a smoother kind of experience by that point. Um, yeah, and you can kind of edit things together poetically too. Uh, and it's, it's the same, I think he worked with the same editor on every single one of his movies did from the beginning to the end. So yeah, he kept like, he kept a close-knit group together. Um, but the, mu- the music is great. And I'm so happy you brought that up. Yeah, that, the music is fascinating. Um, I'd like to genuinely congratulate our winner of the week, KJ. I'd give a round of applause, but it doesn't sound good on audio format. So KJ, congratulations on the big win in bonus time. Oh, thanks so much, guys. Uh, I look forward to my next one. I don't know if that's a possibility. Are we any bets? Year I was afraid you were going to retire. I got four yeah. points or something. Yeah. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we lose a co-host and maybe an editor, so we're in trouble. <laughs> take a dive, take a dive. <laughs> On another note, check out our website, talkingpicturestrivia.com, for more information about us and our episodes. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts as well as our YouTube channel. We are extremely grateful for any positive reviews as those help others like you find us. If you like what you hear, remember to like and subscribe to our show. What's your favorite Satyajit Rai film and why? Let's continue the conversation on Twitter at Talking Studios. Thanks again, Ben, for joining us today. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ben Lawhorn, and you can find my podcast, Three Films and a Podcast, um, on all social media outlets at Three Films Pod. Uh, we are dropping episode right around the same time as this one comes out on the whole Apu trilogy. Tom is going to be coming on, so please come check us out and and listen to us we're trying to like build a, a community just as you guys are um so yeah thanks again for having me on you guys yeah. oh no it was great to have you on and where can uh, we find the rest of you guys on uh, the interwebs uh, you can find me on twitter at thomas layman 15 and you can find me on twitter at kj 1000 1000 i can also be found on twitter at the nicknamed join us next time when we discuss nick's recommendation which is me from 2017 Kong Skull Island. This will tie nicely into the upcoming Godzilla vs. Kong. Be a first watch for me. Should be a fun one. Talk to you then. Ding, 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 ding.